1: Also presents Take Care On
2: Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to
3: sponsor Joy.
2: Hello and welcome to another Take Care On Air. I'm Kath Duncan.
3: And I'm Shane McMaster coming at you live, care of the Also Foundation and giving you your weekly dose of current affairs, community development, arts and culture, news and views.
2: Oh, indeedy do. And today on the show, well, we've got we've got a bit of a theme running today and the theme is about anti-homophobia, I have to get it right, biphobia and transphobia particularly with young people with a group here in Melbourne who are uh, working with schools and from Geelong, Beyond that, So Gay. We're going to be checking out a new publication from the same man who brought us Pride and Prejudice which was a, a very successful campaign that was adopted in schools and is now part of the curriculum across Tasmania. Also, look, I am just so totally excited about this. Remember Prisoner. Who could forget Prisoner? Today we're going to be talking to Betty Bobbitt, who played apparently the American character Judy Bryant. Now I remember the show, but I don't remember the characters. But Betty will remind us because Betty Bobbitt has done what nobody else has managed to do and brought out a book called From the Outside, and apparently it's doing very well. Also, of course, we're going to be uh, checking in with our mate in the bush, Damien Stevens, and tell us about that other thing, Shane. The the part I'm really looking forward to.
3: Ploughs Salon <laughs> is that you are referring to? Yes. Yes, it's the monthly meeting of Ploughs Salon Melbourne. This group is a really fascinating group. They meet once a month to talk about sex in a positive way. So we'll be speaking with Louise from Device. Uh, A
2: bit more about that in the show today. Oh, and she's, I have to say it, she's going to be touching on the delicate art of strap-ons. Oh, my goodness. All this, lots more coming up. First up, though, the Melbourne Sexuality, Sex and Gender Collective are a group of young people who are working up to their campaign launch in a few weeks. They're tackling homophobia, biphobia and transphobia and sexism in schools. Now, I think what's interesting about this is uh, their target is the delivery of sex education and they're also looking at young men's behaviours. Joining us now, one of the founding members, Aaron McAlef. I've got that right, haven't I, Shane?
3: Yeah, so we have Aaron on the phone right now, I believe. Hey, Aaron, welcome to the show. No worries.
0: Thanks for having
3: me on. No worries. So could you tell us a bit about uh, the reasons why you decided to start up the group?
0: Well, we initially started the project. uh, I'm a member of social Alliance um, and a few members of Youth Transgender Organisation, Why Gender, also helped start the campaign. And we initially saw it as a way to engage young people in issues that concern them and directly affect them. And I guess the overwhelming response we were getting from these young people is that the need for better sex education in schools, which seeks to eradicate phobias and sexism as such, is something that's desperately needed. So that was initially why we decided to go ahead with it.
2: It's been many years since I was in school. And um, our sex education of the time was, as I remember, pretty much about reproduction, you know, like how how to and how not to have babies. Has it changed at all?
0: Well, it might not have been as long since I was in high school. School, but no, from what I can remember it hasn't really changed that much and the message I'm getting from the young people I'm speaking to is that that's more or less the same now, very much centred around reproduction and still getting the message that the best form of safe sex is abstinence. So
2: (laughs) That never works. Exactly. Aaron, can you talk a bit about how you're going to, I guess, you know, persuade schools or work with schools to kind of shift their thinking?
0: Well, I guess the first point of call that where we want to go with the campaign is actually getting the word out to other like-minded young people that we're around. So we see it as, I guess, the change that as it's got to be something that's kind of demanded from the students themselves in order to get the attention of these schools mm. because schools need to know that their students actually have a change that they want to see in the way that they're being taught sex education and that you know they're not going to really pipe down until they're listened to and they start getting taught the kind of sex education they want to be taught.
3: So if I'm a young person, Aaron, and I'm really passionate about getting better sex education in schools, I want to address homophobia, transphobia, biophobia, those kinds of issues, is there a way I can get involved with the collective?
0: Absolutely. I'd say the best point of contact, well, given that we live in the Facebook generation now, is... um, get in touch with the Facebook group. That's got all our contact details, uh, both myself and other conveners. Yeah, so uh, people
3: search for the Melbourne Sexuality, Sex and Gender Collective on Facebook. Yeah,
0: that's the one. And we also do have a uh, WordPress site as well. So if you do a Google search on the collective, that should come up also.
2: Now, I guess what I'm finding interesting is this seems to be the new face of the left, really, doesn't it? Because, like, when I was a young one and... Oh, I'm still young. No, not really. Uh, anyway, you know, the socialist left and stuff we were talking a lot about sort of, you know, international events and, and anarchy and so forth and these days it seems like it's much more focused at home.
0: Well, yeah, I think that's been the um, really the overwhelming message in the way the education system structured now is that all matters to do with sex education and sexuality and gender identification uh, have all been kind of forced into the family home and made into a private issue that's between parents and their children and you can kind of see the effects that that's having on um, young people in regards to their sexuality now
2: I'm just kind of interested in how you do tackle things like you know transphobia and, and biophobia in particular I think we're a bit more used to the you know homophobia campaigns but those other ones are sort of new I think to some people or, or perhaps some young people how do you go about you know, educating about them?
4: Well, particularly
0: in regards to transphobia, um, I guess to my knowledge, it's really something I've only been in contact campaign-wise with uh, the last year or so, or year and a half to two years. I went to the um, Sex and Gender Diverse Conference in Redfern, Sydney, last December, and um, I guess that what I was getting out of the conference was that... Trans rights, intersex rights is something that has been put on the back burner for a long time. Yes. And I guess one of their main frustrations is that, you know, any rainbow campaign is them kinda feeling like the T in the I is just kinda it's like a tag along or add in at the end just as a matter of political correctness. It's just something that they want changed and They certainly want their own demands to be seen with the same importance as homophobia, biphobia, sexism as well. I think in regards to education, and this comes back to the way sex education is taught in schools as well, the whole thing about gender identity is something that young people are given very mixed messages about. I mean, right from when children are preschool age, they're given these messages in no uncertain terms from teachers and parents that, you know, if you're male, you act this way, behave this way, dress in this way, and this is what's expected of you by society and pretty much the same deal if you're female. So I think it's something that's really driven into kids' heads from a young age and therefore by the time they reach their adolescent years, they're confused or they think there's something wrong with them if they're not conforming to the behaviours that's expected of their gender.
3: Yeah, well it's great that you and your group are going to clear up those messages a bit for everyone out there. So just one last thing, I just wanted to mention that the uh, collective has uh, campaign Launch on St. Patrick's Day, 17th of March.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, it's Saturday, the 17th of March at 4 p.m., level 10 in the Orso building.
3: Yep, so that's um, 225 Burke Street for all those people out there. Yep. That's where we are right now.
0: 225. And we've got a few guest speakers lined up already. Um, Sally Goldner, longtime trans activist, who I guess a lot of listeners would already be familiar with, is going to be speaking at the launch. Also, one of our younger organisers in the campaign, Karina Saunders, who's actually a high school student at Brunswick Secondary College, is going to be talking about sexism and the relevance of feminism in the modern day and whether it is still relevant and Uh, something we can draw lessons from to take our own campaign forward.
2: Fantastic. And for further information on the Melbourne Sexuality Sex and Gender Collective, go to Facebook, don't we all? Thanks very much for speaking to us. That's Aaron McAlef there today. You're with Take Care On Air, of course. This week it's me, Kath Duncan, and the great Shane McMaster, coming at you live and hot from Joy. Joy 94.9. We're having a great time in studio.
3: Indeed we are. And in the studio now we have Dan Whithouse. He's a youth educator and queer advocate with a passion for homophobia.
2: Anti-homophobia, as the case may be.
3: Anti-homophobia, yeah. That's <laughs> Thanks for correcting me on that one, Kath. Yeah, Joy listeners might remember Dan from 2010. He did a 38-week tour of Australia, getting a bit of a snapshot as to how
1: schools are tackling homophobia. So, welcome to the studio, Dan. Yeah, great to be here. Hey, thanks for so me.
2: Now, Pride and Prejudice is where you started.
1: Correct, in uh, the windy city of Geelong, doing that in uh, an all-boys Catholic school in and then spreading out to a range of schools down there and, and looking at what we could do around challenging homophobia. So, And yeah.
2: I've heard Tasmanian schools have totally picked up on that campaign.
1: Yeah, probably more so than any other states and territories mm-hmm. and that's I think largely due to the great work of you know people like Rodney Croom and a whole bunch of people who've been doing a lot of work with the education department down there. So yeah, they would be leading the way I guess in terms of the states and territories. I know that Victoria would hate for me to say that.
2: But well done to get that out there. Thank you. And now, right now, Beyond that, So Gay, and it's a book in a book tour. Tell us more about that.
1: Yeah, I um, put together a book based on kind of, you know, over a decade of experiences of working in schools and, and it kind of centres around what can what can teachers and, and health professionals who work with young people practically do when they come across challenging homophobia, when young people kind of say this term that we hear everywhere, that's okay And also, what do you then do to support those young people in all parts of Australia? Because I guess my tour kind of sprung from that idea of, you know, I guess in, in terms of this work nationally a lot of the work centres on metropolitan areas and also the east coast of Australia and there were so many stories and so many kind of ideas from across the country I wanted to collect and that's why I jumped in a truck and went driving.
2: What was it like? Did you hit
1: resistance? Yeah, look, I hit resistance. But I I kind of say to everyone, it was like 266 days of Groundhog Day. (laughs) So although people (laughs) think that uh, Yeah, look, uh, although people think that it's often um, people chasing me out of town with, uh, you know, pitchforks and things that are really overt, it tends to be kind of tame, subtle and predictable homophobia. That's the kind of resistance um, they face. So it was more like I could have been bored to death with people's subtle homophobia rather than I was kind of, you know, confronted with it or I had to kind Hmm. of... Run out of town, so that surprises a lot of people. So, having completed the tour and come back to normal everyday life in Australia, what have you been doing since then
3: to work with homophobia, addressing that in schools?
1: Yeah, look, there's been a lot of a lot of follow up with um, different regional and rural areas. So, I've been travelling back and forth between lots of places. It's nice not to live out of a truck um, constantly for a year. It's nice to come <laughs> back home and unpack and do the washing. Um, but you know, I've also been doing some stuff with Australian Marriage Equality. They asked me to put together some workshops. So that's mean I've, I've been continuing conversations across the country all of last year and into this year. And I guess for me, what I'm trying to do now is to to think about how am I going to kind of get all of this information out there? Although I've been working hard for the last kind of 12 to 18 months, I really want to continue getting these stories out there because, for example, I was just um, up at Sydney and I spoke to so many people from country areas who are still telling the same stories Mm. that I heard as I I kind of drove around the country. And I, I expect those stories to continue. And I guess people like to see their own kind of experiences and stories. Is reflected across the country and say, "Hey, I'm not alone." There are a lot of voices who have a similar story to me. But also, here's what can be done about it. But also, making sense of their experience. Hey, I'm in the bush and I'm having a good time. You know, I'm not sure why that is. Why am I different to all these other people? And we can start to unpack that based on the things that I found around the country.
2: How do you tackle a sort of a homophobic redneck? I, I don't mean physically. I mean, how do you kind of deal with that? Or what's your argument? Or is it? Do you not have one for
1: that? Or the, the best thing I think you can do is that. that you You know, I say to people that that I was challenging homophobia one cuppa at a time and I always um, seek to engage people. So when I do talk with people, people often think that it's all about me and the things that I'm saying. But the most important thing I can do is engage that person and listen. And, you know, probably about 75 to 80 percent of the time that I'm engaging someone who's resistant, um, I'll be listening and I'll be listening, trying to kind of assess where are they at? Where are the trigger points? What are the kind of key sticking things that we need to talk about? And, you know, I've, I've written a book on this. I've got lots of resources on my website, you know, in order for people to kind of um, tackle. But that's partly you know, what I'm going to be presenting next week when I do this kind of filmed event night is trying to get some of these ideas up onto YouTube so that people kind of have these resources and they don't necessarily have to come to a training of mine in a a metropolitan centre. They can kind of go online and access those strategies and those ideas a little bit more freely. Tell us a bit more about this filmed event you have coming up. Yeah, look, um, I've got this fantastic space in in Ascot Vale. It's the Canterbury Street Stables. And what (laughs) we're trying to do is we're going to have something like 75 to 80 people who are going to be there. Um, There will be refreshments, which people are happy about. But what I'm going to do is film me talking about the tour, the strategies that I use, the kind of stories that I I encountered along the way, trying to look at some of the patterns and themes and trying to get that into a format that will be then uploaded onto YouTube. So people can not only engage with the event, they can not only come along and and hear about that and have kind of fun and, and hear some interesting stuff, but they'll then be a part of something which is a resource that's going to go up online and it's going to be spread out across you know, every nook and cranny of our great land.
2: Do you really think we can turn the situation around?
1: Look I think that we can but I think that a lot of people think that it's just going to come with you know perhaps legislation change or it's going to mm. be with a with a government program here and there. The thing that would, would change things most in, in Australia I think in the next three to five years is if we had an army of people going out and having cuppers with a whole bunch of people all over the country because it's the everyday conversations that will turn people around. It's the connections, it's the sharing of stories that make the difference, rather than it being just about, I'm going to give you a lecture, or I'm going to kind of say the magic response to that, so again, it's going to make it all better. It's about engagement, and it's really difficult for people to not like you or be against you once they've sat down and had a cuppa with you, which is why I, I had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cuppas um, in that 38-week tour of Australia. So you're saying that the best way to
3: tackle homophobia is to just have more conversations, bring it out in the open, all of us just taking responsibility
1: to address that issue? Well, where we can. I think, um, you know, often people say to me, well, I can't drive around the country. I can't do what you do. And as I say to people, like, that's what I've got the opportunity to do. The most important thing that every single one of us can do is talk to the people around us in our everyday life rather than trying to do something special or more than what we ordinarily do. We've got friends, family, teammates in sporting teams, work colleagues, people, you know, in volunteer organisations, whoever that might be, our neighbours. The conversations and the way we present ourselves with those people are going to be more important than me driving around this country 43 times, like it, it really is, and so what I try and do is say rather than there's something special and magic, it's what you do with the everyday people around you because we know all the research says that the best way to tackle homophobia is for someone who is homophobic to have someone who they have an ongoing, significant, existing relationship for them to come out to them, and that will change their attitudes and their behaviors quicker than any educational program, awareness campaign, network, whatever that might be. So that's the key, and that's why I try and get. Everyday people doing what they do because it's more important than what the rest of us could do combined. So, if people are interested in finding out more about your work and what you do generally, I would love for them to go to my website, which is that's thatsogay.com.au. The filmed event is the first thing that will pop up, and they can also find out about my book about Pride and Prejudice. There are free resources on there about the findings that are found on the tour. There's written blogs, there's video blogs. You can kind of catch up on what happened on the tour, and you can also get contact details as well. But please, um, if if you're interested, come along. You know, Feel free to bring someone special and let's make it a hoot and get this stuff on YouTube so regional, rural and remote communities can actually access this stuff and go out and go forth and multiply in a safe and LGBT way.
2: Daniel, you're a star. You're with Take Care On Air. We've been talking to Daniel Whithouse, educator and sort of all-round anti-homophobic raconteur by the sounds of it. That event again next Tuesday, 13th of March. I love this. The Canterbury Street Stables. I love that. I've got that it's Flemington but you say Ascot Vale. Oh, it's
1: Ascot Vale. Flemington it depends on what map you go with or whether it's the Melways but basically it's around that vicinity you'll find it if you chuck it into Google Sounds
2: like a top event you may even get the chance to go international or national on YouTube by just clapping or standing or making a lot of noise in the background Let's go viral Indeed let's (laughs) let's just get this out there Coming up very shortly something I've been looking forward to we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of strap-ons stay with us
3: Joy
0: Joy 94.9
3: Hands on pleasure and strap-ons galore at Pleasure Salon Mel Yep, they're taking a break from their usual Monday night extravaganza. They're going to be at the Loop Bar tonight.
2: Now, who better for the job if we're going to be talking about strap-ons and pleasure and all the rest of it, but sexual health master's candidate, I love that, I think I should have done that degree, really. I won't go into what I did do, and worker at, of course, the famous Melbourne sex shop, DeVice. We welcome to the show, Louise DeVice. Hi, Louise. Hi. What's first on the agenda when it comes to hands-on sex for you?
5: Oh, what do you mean by that? Oh,
2: well, what are you going to talk about for tonight?
5: Oh, tonight I'm going to be talking about strap-ons specifically. So, as you said, I do work at Device, the stick shop in Richmond, which is a fabulous little shop, which everyone should go check out. But tonight I'm doing a specific little slot on strap-ons.
2: Now, I was talking to Shane about this and I was saying mm-hmm. one of the issues I have with strap-ons is that uh, lots of the time <laughs> when you go to do the thing, they're all cold and slimy. Have you got any suggestions? The for... strap-on is cold and slimy. You mean the harness or the dildo? The dildo. So, have you got any suggestions uh... for how not to be cold and slimy? You mean for the
5: person, um, the receptive partner. Yes. Right, okay. You can actually warm a dildo by putting it in warm water beforehand.
2: What a good idea.
5: Yeah, that is an option. Or you can just warm it up by hand or against the body as well. You can really make a dildo part of the whole fun experience rather than just calling upon it at the moment you need it for penetration. You can really introduce it a bit earlier and make it warm with your body temperature. I think that's very good advice. (laughs) So warm up the lube. That cold and slip-free slimy lube is never any fun. Try and keep it warm. You can put the lube in some warm water as well like the bottle inside a bowl of warm water or just again sort of keep it somewhere nearby so that it's not freezing.
2: Let's talk about harnesses because lots of yeah. people don't get the right fit. That's true. What's important for a good fitting harness? With
5: a good fitting harness, you want one that stays close to the body. You want the dildo to be snug and close against your pubic region. A leather harness will feel quite different from a more elastic kind of cotton harness. And a lot of that's about personal preference but a lot of people find that leather really feels like it's part of your skin it really sits close so people like it for that reason whereas some of the more elastic ones have a much more slim profile, so people like that I guess since it also feels quite natural against the body So firstly, a close fit's important Secondly, the positioning of the dildo is important. Often wearers of strap-ons will complain that the dildo might be sitting a bit low and kind of like angle it away that they don't have a lot of control mm. So a way to fix that is to get a dildo with an O-ring, the ring that you put the dildo through that sits a bit higher on the pubic bone because you'll have a lot more control that way. The trade-off with dildo positioning is that when the dildo is a bit lower, you do have a lot more sensation on the genital, so there's kind of in some ways a Yes. A sensitive trade-off but it's just a matter of getting one that works for you and also works for how you want to use it because if you're using it with quite a lot of physical energy it could be different from using it in a more sort of slow way so
2: one thing i have found perhaps is almost like a level of defensiveness among people that like to wear like mm-hmm. that like to pack them about the correct procedures and so forth almost like yeah i know all that already like whatever have you found <laughs> that i think i know what you're talking about and i would say that i've mainly
5: encountered that amongst people this is just my personal experience i'm not saying this generally but amongst people who don't necessarily have a massive amount of experience with them (laughs) and so they have certain ideas about how it's supposed to work and perhaps people who have a bit more experience would feel more at ease with just kind of going with the flow and having a laugh if it doesn't pan out exactly as they planned but that is also based on personality and it depends a lot on the kind of sex you're having as well
3: yeah some very knowledgeable advice about the use of strap-ons <laughs> and dildos there so I understand <laughs> Louise that you're doing a bit of a demonstration tonight at Pleasure Salon
5: well I don't know if demonstration is the word I don't want to oversell things there won't be any live sex on stage but, um, <laughs> well
3: not this time anyway
5: <laughs> we will definitely be getting some strap-ons on and showing how they fit and how they get one that fits you
3: Yeah. tell us a bit more about what else people can expect at tonight's meeting
5: so so, Night at Pleasure Salon, I will be speaking about strap ons, as I said, and there's also going to be another presenter talking about sexological bodywork, which Ooh. is something I don't know much about.
3: It sounds very mysterious and interesting.
5: Yes, it yeah,
2: yeah. Now, the way the thing works is it's kind of like a, a talky forum bit, and then people kind of mingle and, you know, drink and party on. Pleasure the Salon, the, the exact format of
5: the event changes depending on who's speaking and exactly what's going on that evening. But tonight, the format is that I'll be doing an introductory session of a sort of a 20 to 30 minute slot, and then there'll be a main presenter for maybe an hour and that's going to be broken up into different sections. So I'll be talking, then there'll be some milling time and times for drinks, then there'll be the other presenter talking, then there'll be a break, and the other presenter will be talking again, and then there'll be time at the end for people to have drinks and to, and to wander around. Some other pleasure salons, they have a panel set up, so there'll be a selection of speakers who have expertise on a certain theme, and it'll be more a Q&A with the audience. Sometimes it's only one presenter, sometimes there'll be a performance, all sorts of different things, but it's designed to showcase different aspects of the sex-positive community and to create a forum where people can attend and meet other people who might have similar interests. So in a non-sex, on-site environment if that makes sense. It's a place for people to meet socially and to interact and have a drink and that kind of thing. So it's a part of Sex Positive
2: Melbourne. Sounds very cool to me and I understand Precious Salon Melbourne are affiliated with our Take Care program.
3: Yep, Take Care out there is a proud partner and sponsor of Precious Salon Melbourne. Yeah, we're proud that they're talking about sex on a monthly basis in a positive and inclusive way.
5: Take Care out there, of course making sure that the safe sex message passes through into all the different communities that Pleasure Salon intersects with.
2: Fantastic. Mm. Thanks for talking with us today, Louise. No problem. I hope so. I'll see you tonight at Loop Bar. Yeah, all my friends are going. So oh, fabulous. Um, I guess I better go. Well, everyone's got a little <laughs> bit of an interest in this one.
5: You've got some time to think of some special questions and put me on the spot in front of everyone. Yeah,
2: I might land on the cold and slimy again. <laughs> okay, so that's Pleasure Salon Melbourne tonight from 7.30 at the Loop Laneway Bar, which is in, is it Meyers Place? Is that Yeah, say? Sports, yeah. In uh, in Melbourne, in the city, just sounds like a total hoot. There'll be other presenters there as well as Louise, and we can all check out Louise's dildo collection, which I imagine must be very impressive. <laughs> Further info, go to Facebook. I find Pleasure Salon Melbourne has got quite a little presence, and thanks for that, Louise. No problem. Joy, Joy 94.9.
3: You're listening to Take Care on Air with Shane McMaster and Kath Duncan here on Joy FM.
2: Now, look, we're so totally excited. Everyone remembers Prisoner, surely. Well, everyone that's uh, my age anyway. It was probably our most famous export, I'd say, through the 70s or was it the 80s? It's a bit Again. before
3: my time, but yes, it's really iconic, famous Australian show. Now,
2: as it turns out, one of the performers from Prisoner, Bobby Bobbitt, whose name on the show was Judy Bryant, has brought out a book called From the Outside, Judy Bryant's Prisoner, Cell Block H, which was the name of the show in the States. And we have Betty on the line. Hello there, Betty. Hello, how are you? Oh, we're just so stoked to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm very pleased to be here. Now, can can I just ask, you've been in Australia since the early 1960s? Yes, nearly 50 years. It'll be 50 years next month. And do people recognise you when you go out? They do. <laughs>
4: Makes me think I looked like a fat old lady when I was in my 20s. Sorry, that's good. Can you tell us a bit about your character? What was Judy like? Well, I initially auditioned for the role of B. Smith, but I wasn't tough enough, you Mm. know. So about a year later, they contacted me again and said, would you be happy to play a lesbian? And I said, yeah, uh, okay. And in I went, and I was supposed to play this tough lesbian. They told me she was what was known as a diesel dyke. I never heard the expression. I thought maybe she drove a truck. I didn't know. (laughs) Anyway, of course, my own personality was there as well and I just felt that she wasn't as tough as that. The dialogue, the scripts, everything showed her to be a more compassionate person. So she was supposed to be in for 13 weeks and die of a heart attack and at the end of the time, towards the end of the time, they decided they liked my character so they gave my girlfriend a push down the stairs to kill her and gave me a pacemaker and (laughs) and I lived on for five years.
2: Oh congratulations (laughs) on surviving your potential demise. I know I know. Now my notes tell me that you yourself were a closeted lesbian.
4: Do your notes tell you that? Yeah. Well it wasn't a closeted thing. I was raising children and I didn't like going out into gay venues and things where I would always be spotted as the actor that I I did other things aside from prisoner. So I was just a quiet person in that regard and I just stayed in my circle of friends. So if you read the book, you'll find out the story that's kind of wonderful about it all.
2: And apparently one of those wonderful things was that lots of people wrote to you and told you how important it was to see you there and coming to terms with their own sexuality. Tell us a bit about that. Well, that was wonderful. In the early 80s,
4: people were not very tolerant. Well, they're still not in many cases, but they weren't very tolerant to gays. And my character, because she was sympathetic and likable, people who were gay themselves and young, they'd go like, well, you know, I can come out. Judy can do it. I can do it because Judy told her daughter and there was a whole storyline about that you know and and it was really hard yes she had a daughter (laughs) but it was really difficult stuff so when people would write to me I would be so proud and so pleased that I could help young people and it's still happening to this day and the showing it again I get Facebook messages from young people who go you've helped me thank you you know and that's just wonderful
3: yeah it's awesome you got that support you know and that people find that you've been a source of support for for them as well. That's right. I imagine at the time it would have been quite groundbreaking being on the show as a, a lesbian character on TV. Yeah. how well, Could you tell been, us a bit more about done, that experience?
4: Yeah, it had been done with a previous character in the show. Carol Burns played Frankie Doyle. And, That's right. But she was more like tough, you know, and rough and, and unhappy and, and that was kind of... A stereotype in a way, was the character that I played, they they wrote her to be just a normal person, well she wasn't that normal <laughs> in some of the things she did, but just a normal person with real feelings and caring and anger as well and all of those things, so it was really great just showing her as being a real person.
2: Have you had that sort of success since? What did you do after Prisoner? Well, mainly in my career been a stage actor, I love
4: the theatre and as soon as the TV series was over I went back into the theatre for like the next month I was working at the Melbourne Theatre Company and over the years I've kind of slowed down a bit with it all because I've did other things and I've been writing a bit and still I I did a play a couple of years ago but I'm getting rheumatism now so I'm not really great at running around anymore and up and down stairs and things but I'm mainly in the theatre and I did nonsense and different plays and things so
2: yeah it's been good Betty Bobbitt, you're just a star you were a star (laughs) then, you're a star now if you want to get hold of Betty's book, it's called From the Outside. I think it will sell like hotcakes myself. Isn't that
4: wonderful? Well, if people go into sales at BettyBobbit.com, that's the site where they order it, I mail it myself. You know, it's really good. Wow,
2: well done. Yeah. Thanks Personally mail copy. <laughs> thanks for talking to us <laughs> today, oh, thank Betty. You. And good and luck with the book. Thanks so much. All the best to you. Thank you. I don't think Prisoner's ever going to die. It will live with us forever, Prisoner. There was never any show like it, and I don't I don't think there's been any show since. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) Indeed. Mm. You're with Take Care On Air, of course, with Kath Duncan and Shane McMaster. Coming up, we're going to be checking in with our favourite Damien Stevens out there from Goulburn Valley Pride. He's going to be talking about their experiences in Mardi Gras and what's happening around the region. Stay with us. Joy 94.9. Time for Damien Stevens, the convener of Goulburn Valley Pride, talking to us from Shepparton, but having just come back from Mardi Gras.
6: Good afternoon, folks, indeed. We have 24 passengers on a luxurious coach To Sydney to see Kylie, Magda, RuPaul. What a weekend!
2: (laughs) Tell us some highlights. I hope you Victorian guys like made your presence very Victorian and obvious and stuff.
6: Oh, we did, we did, and I think we're going to march next year. We had a good um, representation, and I think we can double that and you know get a float or at least march in the parade next year. The parade itself was amazing. Several of us were in the glam stand. There was a bit of rain, but it didn't interfere with us at all. We had our ponchos on. Um, It's amazing how warm a thin piece of garbage bag is. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, and The after party, amazing. I've never been and I was overwhelmed by the extravagance and how well set up it was. And it was an awesome, awesome weekend.
2: Totally a blast. Now, look, we've only got a moment or so. Could you just give us a quick wrap-up of what's happening in the bush?
6: I will. We're gearing up for chill-out this year. Expect to see all of the regional groups this weekend, uh, certainly the street parade and at uh, Carnival Day in Dalesford. Um, over in Bendigo, coming up, or Grampians, rather, organised by CAN in Bendigo. They've got a getting-it-together for men living in the Grampians who've recently come out. Look out for that on 16th to 18th of March. Don't forget the BQFF, the Bendigo Queer Film Festival coming up mid-April as well. Down in Ballarat, midway through this month, the 16th of March, they've got their dance party. That's the third Friday night of every month. All of this info is at Take Care website, of course. Down Geelong Way, next Monday night, Hot Topics. It's everything you wanted to know about Sex Ed, trivia event down there, organised by Garth. That's on Facebook. Mildura up there. They've renamed their group to the Sunraysia Gay and Lesbian Community Group. Check out their new website, gaysunraysia.org.au They're all on Facebook. We're all online. Back over at albury Way. In the next few weeks, they've got their fortnightly drinks, coffee club and a camping trip coming up at the end of March as well. So here dot au for them. And here in Shepparton, plenty of events between now and the end of the month. And we've got a team swimming in the upcoming MS Mega Swim to raise money for MS. We've got steak nights, movie nights, and don't forget in November, the first Festival for Shepparton will be out in the open, a health and wellbeing day, followed by Carnival Day here in Shepparton,
2: out in the open.org.au. That and more coming up. Oh, well done, Damien. You've brought us right up to the top of the hour. Well, that's all from us for another Take Care On Air for this week. We'll be back again next week when uh, apparently we have a focus on sport. You've been with Kath Duncan.
3: And Shay McMaster. And, and thanks to the Gaz Man. Woo! As always, for doing such a great job behind the
1: scenes.
2: See you again next week. Have a great day here on JOY.
1: Also presents Take Care On Air.
2: Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria.
1: Also is
2: your community hub. And also is proud to sponsor JOY.
0: Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, JOY. Help keep JOY on air.
4: Head to joy.org.au.